Hi, I'm Kelly Cervantes, and this is Seizing Life, a bi-weekly podcast produced by Cure Epilepsy. This week, I welcome Jeff Applegate to the podcast to discuss a difficult but important topic, the grieving process after the loss of a loved one. Jeff's fiance Zatara, passed away in August of 2020 from sudden unexpected death and epilepsy, or SUDEP. Jeff is here to talk about how he and the couple's young son, Nathaniel, are coping with the loss, what has helped him move through the grieving process, and how he's honoring Zatara's memory by telling her story and raising awareness of epilepsy in SUDEP. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us today. I want to start off by asking you about Satara. Tell us about your fiance and how you guys met. So we uh we actually met on a online dating app and we, we went out started with texting and talk talking on the phone and eventually met up and the, the first day we met we, we, we were together for about four four or five hours just talking. So I mean that connection was there immediately and um I she was like no one else I had ever met. She was right away. You could the 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 soul. I don't you know I don't talk this way, but the kind soul. You could just tell the kind person that she was, and she was just such a positive person. Someone that I needed in my life at that time. Uh, the perfect person for me. I, I I say we complimented each other so well. We were very similar but very different. And um, you know I had been through some rough relationships. She had been through a couple, and um, I didn't want to fully jump into one and especially I didn't want to jump and have her move in with me and within two months she was living with me and uh I mean it was it was great you know so glad that we found each other and uh, you know just by chance on a on a dating app I just I'd love the way that you the way that you talk about her and your love for each other at what point in your relationship, did she tell you about her epilepsy? I guess the first few times we talked would have been when she told me. I remember, like, kind of being like, oh. I mean, I only knew seizures were, you know, when people shake. That's that's all I knew of them. And so I wouldn't say freaked out or maybe weird. I don't know, you know, weird out and freaked out, kind of the same answer. But I just remember being like, okay, that's that's something that stands out to me. And I didn't really know how to react to it. I've never been around an epileptic person. I just, I didn't know how how epilepsy worked. I didn't know what triggers were and things. I, I was completely new to it. So I just, I don't think I knew take it. And I think over time she would, would talk to me about it. But I just remember initially kind of being like, oh, is this something maybe, maybe even like, is this something I have to look out for? Is this maybe something that maybe would cause me to not want to date this person because of complications or things that could happen in the future. I mean, ultimately it, it had no effect. I, we got to the relationship, but it was something that was on my mind a little bit of just, what do I, what, what, what's this mean for the future? Yeah. And how, I guess, how did she explain it to you? Did she um, teach you what to look out for when she had seizures yeah, so she told me what triggers her her seizures was more reading than anything else, and um, you know because I knew of like seizures. Um, again, the other thing I knew was people shake and 
Um, people get them from watching like Japanese videos, like anime and stuff, that and lights and all that. So I I remember asking about that, and she said, "No, that doesn't do it for me. It's it's reading." And so she would explain the triggers, and she would explain to me some things in the past, some of her seizures that were pretty bad, and told me about them. And she taught me the things I needed to do. And she would, I remember her showing me some seizures on like YouTube and stuff. So she tried to educate me a lot on, on epilepsy. And did she, did she ever talk to you about SUDEP, or do you know if that's something that she was even aware of? I never, for me, I never even knew what SUDEP was. Even after she died, I um, I got a phone call and, and I talked to someone and said she died from a seizure. And they said SUDEP. And I was like, uh, what's that? I had never heard of it. I had never heard of her talk of it. Um, do I think that she was, she knew of it? I, I We never talked about her dying from specifically just from a seizure. Um, I can't say f for sure if she knew about SUDEP, I, I've been to some of her doctor's appointments with her and doctors never talked about it. Um, I can't say that I know her biggest fear was what ended up happening, dying alone. Anytime we w I would leave, she would never say just good. It was a thing with her. It's not goodbye. It's I love you. And she would always say, I love you. And I, I if I say goodbye, oh no, I love you. I love. And so I think that that also played into um, you know, if I leave and something happens, at least the last words were "I love you," which ended up really taking place. So I, 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 I can't say no that she didn't know what it was, but we've never, we never had a discussion about it, and she never told me she was afraid of of dying specifically just from a seizure. Jeff, I'd love to know how epilepsy affected your personal lives and her professional life, if it did. I mean, for starters, I know that you have a son together. What was that experience like when she was pregnant and afterwards? I wouldn't say it caused a lot of day-to-day -day stuff with us. If we wanted to do something, it, it wasn't a, a hinder in that way. Just after Nathaniel was born, I'd say her epilepsy caused fears um, somewhat. Like I had a fear of, I work overnight, 10, 10, I used to work overnight, 10 at night to six in the morning. And um, it was a, an hour drive each way to work. So I would have to leave an hour early than I worked. And I would always be afraid that she would maybe be holding the baby and have a seizure. And you know, luckily it never happened. She was a hairstylist, which was her dream. And um, a good, she was good at it and she went to work every day and didn't let epilepsy stop her in any way in, in life. I mean, she didn't let the epilepsy beat her like on a daily basis. Uh, you know, when it comes to epilepsy, yeah, she may have passed because of SUDEP and, an up, and a seizure, and, but, but she still beat it. She didn't let it beat her uh, my, mindset wise. Hi. This is Brandon from Cure Epilepsy. Did you know that one in 26 Americans will develop epilepsy in their lifetime? For more than 20 years, Cure Epilepsy has funded cutting-edge, patient-focused research. Learn more about our mission to end epilepsy at cureepilepsy.org. Now back to Seizing Life. If you can, can you please tell us the, the circumstances around her passing? Yeah, um, she had to work Saturday and Sunday. I, I had the weekend off. And 
she wanted me to take my son to my parents in Boston. We lived in New Hampshire, again, about an hour drive. So I went, picked them up in the morning. She went to work. I'm coming in. She's leaving. And, you know, okay, I'll, I'll see you later. I was, okay, I love you. She takes off to work. And so I was jumping in the shower, and she called back right away, like five minutes after she left. And she was like, Are you you're still going to take them? And I said, yeah, I'm going to take them. And she was like, okay, well, when are you going to be home? And she sounded sad. I said, I'll be home Sunday when you get out of work. So that way, when you come home, we can just, we were going to watch Never Ending Story that Sunday night. And um, I went to my parents and that night she never called once she got out of work, which was kind of strange, but I thought maybe she was just tired and fell asleep. So I didn't call her or anything. Then the next morning hit and she also didn't call. And I thought, she she was late a lot, and so I was like, okay, maybe she just woke up late. She'll call me when she gets a chance. At about 9.30, I got a phone call from her work, and they were asking, hey, have you seen Zatara? I said, no, I'm not home. I'm, I'm in Boston. And so when I called her, it went straight to voicemail. So I was like, oh, she she never woke up because her battery died overnight. That's that's what it is. Simple as that. Her boss, who was also best friends, just they did a wellness check. So I ended up on the police too just to check in with them and they said okay we're trying to get in the house um is there another way in i said yeah hit around the back it's usually unlocked and they 20 about and they said okay we'll call you back so i'm you know expecting a call back and then about 20 minutes pass and within that 20 minutes i'm sitting there going oh it's, it's got to be more than oversleeping i did mention to the police that she is up to epileptic that it's possible she had a seizure but i didn't i didn't think it and so about 20 minutes passed, and they called back and said, yeah, uh, we got in the house, and she was in the bathroom. And I said, oh, good, good, good. And then that's when they said, well, she was deceased. I mean, immediately the only thing I could think of was a seizure, but I didn't, still didn't think that a seizure is what killed her. I thought maybe she fell and hit her head or something. And um, so the medical examiner later that day called me. And, of course, I, I had to ask, had I been there, would I have been able to save her or anything and they said no um she died from when the seizure happened is when she died the first thing i did was look at my son thinking oh man how, how am i going to tell this little boy he's never going to see his mother again thank you so much for sharing that with us and i'm i'm so sorry for your and your son and and zatara's family's loss it's um it's not fair and it sucks um how, you know, you mentioned your son and, and how you looked at him and you weren't sure how to tell him. And I've sort of been in a similar situation, except instead of my son's mother, it was his sister. Um, how did you share that news with him? How old was he at the time? And, and how did you walk through that with your son? He just turned five. Saturday, May 1st. So he was four, little, little over four and a half at the time. Um, he had no concept of death. And what I told him kind of was like, I, I had my, my parents were there and uh, Zatara's mother was there and I wanted to do it as a family. We wait, she, she passed on a Sunday. We waited till Thursday. I, I, I told him, you know, mommy is, is here in, in your heart. She's right here. Anytime you want to Anytime you put your hand here and you hear, you feel it, that's mummy. And 
Um, I didn't want to just go the heaven route because he wasn't going to understand it completely. So, and plus, uh, something I've learned: you, you spend so much time. What am I going to tell him? What am I going to tell him? And for my son, anyway, uh, he was four. He had no concept of it. It really didn't matter what you're telling him because 20 seconds later, where's, uh, where's, uh, you know, where's uh, the Ghostbusters or whatever toy he wants to play with. It's just not sit with him. But it actually did because he still, you know, he'll mummy's here, mummy's here. So it doesn't stick with him, but it, it didn't stick with him at that time. But long term, it has, and he's now since learned about heaven. And um, you know, I when when the time was right, we taught him about heaven and Jesus. And um, he asks about her a lot. I mean, especially this weekend with um, you know, his, last weekend was his birthday. This weekend was Mother's Day, and the day before that was my father's birthday. And you could just sense he was off. He knew something. Like everyone's here, but not mummy. And he does ask about her a lot, and I just let him think and whatever he wants, and I try not to force her down his throat. Like, not everything has to be mummy, mummy, but I definitely do talk about her a lot and try to keep her memory alive. But I, I try to, There's a, I think there's a line, and there can be unhealthy and healthy. I try not to be obsessive and unhealthy, and I try to, I, I, I feel like, I feel like I've done a pretty decent job, not in a braggadocious way. I think you're doing a wonderful job. I think you are doing an, you have been, you were tasked with an unimaginable conversation and, and it's not just one conversation, right? It's, it's all of the, the follow-up questions and the, and I just, I have to say, I, I, you, I think you're doing an amazing, amazing job. Thank you. You know, as you went through the weeks and months following, I know you said that it took you some time to adjust. I'm sure you were in shock in many ways. Are there certain things that people did or said that helped you in your grieving journey more than others? And and also, I know that this is still actually quite fresh. You're, you're not even one year into your grief journey yet. Um, but but what are the things that people have said that were truly helpful? Um, so I have a couple people that I talk to. You know, I tend to get aggravated with the, um, not towards anyone, but when someone says like, well, you know, at least she's not in pain now. Or, and then I, I don't want to hear the same stuff. You know, I do like when someone just is honest and says, I don't know what to say. And um, the Epilepsy Foundation of New England reached out to me and, they they hooked me up with a, another gentleman, Matt, who his his fiance, same situation. I believe it was about four months before their wedding. She passed from SUDEP. And um so was someone that kind of like like an AA sponsor. He kind of was like the person I could go to for questions. We still talk. That that was that's been a person. And I just recently met another woman, Donna, who her daughter passed through um a, a, a seizure-related um thing. And this is another thing too, is you know, SUDEP is a big thing, but there's other re ways people die, too. Like, you know, they have a seizure when they're driving a car or um, falling into a pool and drowning. So there's other, you know, read things. But um, it's just nice to have, meet these people. And in a way, it's almost like here I am. I feel like I have all this support with my family, very big family. But they don't exactly know 
what to say. And here I have these strangers who I've never met that I can talk to. And even if they've died through, like, for example, Donna, her daughter died seizure-related but not SUDEP, we can still talk and be like, wow, there's still so many similarities, even though it's a similar way of dying but still different. And it's it's nice to have that. I, I've changed as a person and just the way I think, and I think it's through certain people that I talk to. I was a very closed person and started to be very, especially on Facebook. We We were closed about our relationship. We didn't go on Facebook and type the I love you's and all that, even though, you know, we just kept it quiet on Facebook. And I became more open on Facebook because I wanted people to see what I was going through. And I was getting messages from people from fifth grade and stuff. I'm thinking about you and your son every day. And it's something that motivated me to be better, be a better me. And I'm thankful to anyone that taken a moment to think about me or my son or Zatara and you just got to feel the love. You hit on some incredibly important points there, specifically finding your community and and how much that can really help you heal and, and that the comments do help, right? That they they hit you in a certain way, that love and support, you do feel it and, and it really does get you through. Um, you commented about sharing on Facebook and how you are now sharing a lot more, both the grief and about the epilepsy. What motivated you to begin sharing so publicly? I wanted people to see that, hey, you know, Jeff's doing okay. He, he's doing okay. Don't, you know, worry about me. Feel, feel sad for Nathaniel. Don't, you don't have to worry, worry about me. But, you know, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm doing. And somewhere along the line, I felt like, hey, I didn't really have anyone that I could look at as this is what he did or this is what she did. And so I felt like I'm not going to document everything on Facebook, but I'm going to document some things or say this or, you know, take pictures of this or that or, you know, and let people see things like, okay, I mean, every situation is going to be different, but Jeff did this. Maybe this could work for me. You know, everything I've done since Zatara has passed has been a trial, like some things work, some things don't. For example, me and Nathaniel, we didn't talk about Zatara for about a month after the funeral and everything. I kept it quiet because I just wasn't sure how to handle it. And then about a month in, I noticed a little bit of an attitude change. And then at bedtime, I mean, we did do like kissing her picture at, at bed every night, but we didn't talk about her. And I noticed about a month in, I started showing him videos and pictures and stuff. And it changed them. So I, 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 everything is adapting and, and learning as you go. Every situation is different. And I feel like there's no book that I could read that's going to help me. I'm going to do what I'm going to do, what I feel is right, right or wrong. I'm going to do it. And I might, I'll take advice from people, but I, I just think that you know yourself and your, your children, in my case, your, your son better. And you just do what you think is right. And most of the time, you're probably going to be right. You're going to suffer some setbacks. I've done some things that I know. I'm like, okay, this didn't work. I, I got to not do this anymore. But just go with your gut and what you feel is right. Jeff, I connect with so much of what you just said. And I really think it is going 
to help so many people who are listening today. I just want to wish you and Nathaniel so much love and gentleness as you navigate this grief journey. We are so fortunate as uh, to have you as a part of our community, and and I know that this is this is not a club that you ever wish to be a part of, but we are just so grateful. Thank you for sharing your story with us today, and please know that we truly wish you all the best. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Jeff, for sharing such a personal and difficult story, and thank you for speaking up to raise awareness of epilepsy in SUDEP. This is not the first time we've talked about SUDEP on the podcast. It's a difficult topic to discuss, and we know it's probably uncomfortable for many of our listeners to hear. However, we in the epilepsy community need to be willing to have uncomfortable conversations because those conversations will raise the questions that need to be answered. And the answers will come through research. As the leading non-governmental agency committed to funding epilepsy research, we ask you to help us find those answers by visiting cureepilepsy.org forward slash donate. Your support and generosity are greatly appreciated. Thank you. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Cure Epilepsy. The information contained herein is provided for general information only and does not offer medical advice or recommendations. Individuals should not rely on this information as a substitute for consultations with qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with individual medical conditions and needs. Cure Epilepsy strongly recommends that care and treatment decisions related to epilepsy and any other medical conditions be made in consultation with a patient's physician or other qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with the individual's specific health situation.